0: Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center Podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So, 1 Peter, um, I, I wanna, I'm want i going to read a lot. We're going to read a lot today. I want to go back to something Tina was, was focusing on to kind of because I was praying, I kept trying to say, no, don't don't, don't go to this verses. Go on to the other verses. But this is just something that's key because there's a theme. Anytime you're reading Scripture and you're reading like a book of the Bible, like we're reading 1 Peter or 2 Peter, you'll see patterns and themes. You want to stay connected to that because you don't want to pull a verse out of context and make it, you know, like a fortune cookie. Make it say anything you want. Uh, which, by the way, if you want to help out a fortune cookie, just at the end of it, add in Christ see what happens. Uh, But we don't want to pull, we don't want to pull stuff out of context. So you kind of read the theme and you look at it. So uh, I want to start in first Peter chapter two. And I want to look, I want to look in verse. It's all good y'all. Hey, do you ever rub your Bible? I love rubbing my Bible. You can't do that with a phone because you'll go to the next slide or next thing. (laughs) But just good stuff. So um, let's look. Uh. Father, help us. Help me know what scripture to start with. He just did. All right. He just did. So look in verse 7. Yes, you who trust Him, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, by the way. You, yes, you who trust him recognize uh, the honor God has given him. He's talking about Christ, the cornerstone. But for those who reject him, has you ever met anybody who rejected the Lord? Have you ever rejected the Lord before? Okay. Uh, So those who, who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. People stumble over Jesus all day long. And let me help you out. When you see people stumbling over Jesus, when you see them stumbling over Jesus, don't remove the stone. That's one of the dangers in the generation in which we live, which is not new to this generation. It's happened in every generation before. is people who are stumbling over Jesus, people who are stumbling over the cornerstone because they feel like they have a new thing or a better thing or whatever. They try to redefine this or redefine that. You got to be really careful not when they're tripping over Jesus to kind of just be like when they're starting to fall, just step out of the way. Let him fall because sometimes, at least in my life, it's true until I, until I fell over him, until I stumbled and actually hit a place where the, 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 the reality of my stumbling actually snapped me out of something. I wasn't ready for Jesus until I fell over Jesus, until I realized, like, wait a minute, I can't just move this stone. I can't kick this can down the street. This is, this is a rock that cannot be moved. And so when you see that, I, I just want wanted to remind you, as you're dealing with people who are fumbling over Jesus, you don't have to go help Jesus out. He can handle it. He, he can totally handle it. So you be there to help people that, that when, they, when they fall, you want to help them back up. But because when they fall over, in my life, I fell over Jesus many different times. I stumbled over him because I was trying to to reject him. I was rejecting him in different ways, and it kept making me fall. And sometimes I got more angry at him because I kept falling. But then when I found out after after falling one time, I look over, I thought maybe instead of stumbling over it, I'll stand on him. And that's when he brings you to another level. That's when life really starts to take place. So you want to help people who are stumbling over him to stand upon the rock. Praise the Lord. How many of you would raise your hand and say this? I remember my life stumbling over Jesus time and time again, but then one day I took a stand upon the rock. Yeah. Changes everything. Praise the Lord. So, uh, Let's keep reading. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are. Somebody say you are. You are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. uh, You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Now, Uh, Let's just keep reading for a second. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people, which there's no greater identity than to be identified as God's people. No greater identity. Once... You receive no mercy. Now you have received God's mercy. So I love the once and then the now. The once, and then the now, and the rest of the stuff we're going to read. The reason I'm starting at this verse and kind of reminding us what Tina was teaching is because the rest of the stuff that we're we're about to read is in the now category. is in the, It's not in the once category, and it's really confusing when you read after becoming, after standing on the rock instead of stumbling over the rock, and you give your life to Christ, and you're you're baptized, and you want to start following the Lord. You, you, you must not continue to look at yourself, to look at God, to look at other people the same way you did before you were saved. You have to take upon a new mindset because what happened once upon a time is not the reality now. Who you were then is not who you are now. And not because you're in church, but because you're in Christ so what was once true about you is no longer true anymore. And what is now true about you once was not true about you. So you were chosen, and that word chosen is a really cool word. That word chosen is not just like, ah, one, two, choose you. you, you know, it's, it's, And his choice goes out to everybody. He chooses all to walk with him. The problem is many don't choose him. They don't. They don't choose him. He's. His. He. God loved the world. He. He doesn't love the things in the world, but he loves the people of the world. And so he loves the, the world, and he chose everybody. But here's the thing about choice. He chose you to be a royal priesthood. He chose us to be a royal priesthood. And that word choose, uh, sometimes we don't really understand the depth of it. it. It means a personal, devoted, like there's deep meaning in the choice. It's like there's, there's deep meaning. It's like when I'm at a buffet and I see mashed potatoes, there's deep meaning. <laughs> It's it's so when God chose you, when God chose you, and just think about that, you are chosen. You are chosen. And when he chose you, there is significant meaning to choosing you. Not just choosing us, but choosing you. And as the master builder chooses you, the living stone chooses you to become a living stone, that you that he builds this whole house when he chose you. And listen, he the, the way God works, the way God operates, he chose you to be a royal priesthood, a royal priest. That's a twofold operation. He chose you to be a king priest. That means once you were, you were uh, not royalty, once you were not righteous, but now in Christ, because of who he is, See who you are comes out of who he is, and so if he's a king, then you are a king. You're royalty. If and I think Tina said it about you know King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, he's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. We're the Lords. He's Lord over. We're the Kings. He's King over. And we submit to him that we were sinners, but now we're saints made holy in the eyes of God, made righteous in the eyes of God. We have been made new that what once was true about me is no longer true about me. So now that I deal with the same old circumstances in my life, I have to deal with them from a whole new perspective. I cannot deal with people, places, and things the same way that I used to deal with them because that's not me anymore. There's a new me in me. It's Christ in me, and that would, And I am a royal priesthood in Christ, and I've been chosen. I've been chosen by God with deep, significant meaning. I've been Chosen. God, that God chose me before my mama's womb. He chose me. I didn't choose this generation. I didn't choose to be white. I didn't choose to be a man. I chose to be a fit man. No kid. I, I didn't choose to be a man. Which, by the way, your pastor has lost a little bit of weight. Thank you for noticing. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We could. Whatever, I'll, I'll gain some of it back, but praise the Lord, it's, um, it's, it's been a process. And, and so I didn't choose to be any of that. I didn't, to be, uh, I didn't choose to be born into the Aiken family. How many of y'all wish you could have chose the family you were born into? God chose all of that. God chose all of that. My choice is what do I do with it? Do I bring it back to him and say, Lord, this is who you made me to be? Now I surrender all that I am and all that is, I surrender it to you. And now I become become a royal priest, a royal priest that now, not once, but now. Everybody say now. How I live in this world is completely different from how I used to live in this world. Same situations. Same circumstances. Have you ever noticed that after you get saved and start walking with Jesus, the world doesn't change? You do. You do. So as we read the rest of this, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. We're going to be in the Scripture for a minute just reading this. I want you to read it from a perspective of not who you once were, but who he's made you to be now we're in this world but not of this world and he who is in us is greater than he who's in this world our judgment our perception our focus our responsibility is not limited to what we what what's happening right here our scope our horizon How we evaluate things is not limited to to just the box of this earth. We have an eternal perspective. That's why we don't need to judge something before it's time. So let's, with that in mind, there's a whole bunch of other good stuff that he says. Uh, Let's skip down He says, notice the sections. Out out of this thing, you're a chosen priesthood, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He starts breaking down these sections. He first talks in verse 13, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, about people in authority. For the Lord's sake. Notice that. For the Lord's sake. He didn't say for your sake or my sake. Man, I wish the Bible would say, well, for your sake. But no, it's unto the Lord. So for the Lord's sake, watch what he says. Submit to all human authority. Some of y'all wish he said Republican. Some of y'all wish he said Democrat. Some of y'all wish he said this or said that, but he said to all human authority. So anybody, I get frustrated. Anybody tells me he ain't my president, I hope you're not a believer saying he ain't my president. I hope hope if you're a believer and you say he ain't my president, I hope you repent. Because if Jesus is your king, then he's your president. Not Jesus being your president, because we don't put our trust in presidents. We don't put our trust in men. And I'm telling you, we get out of balance. We put too much trust in somebody, or not enough, or we got to have balance. And it all comes out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are kingdom ambassadors. And we have to live our now life from the perspective of who we are in him. Because everything changed. On the days when you feel like nothing has changed, I was saved, I was baptized, I'm starting to walk with God, I'm starting to be in the Word, I joined a life group, I'm starting to read my Bible, I'm starting to pray, so I enter into my day, man, nothing's changed. I still got this situation, I still got this problem, the world's still struggling with this, nothing's changed. I'm telling you, everything's changed. Everything's changed, because you're now a royal priest. You're now a representative of heaven. You now have an eternal assignment in an earthly position. There is no greater cause on this planet than the cause of Christ. There is no greater cause on this planet than the cause of Christ. And we are royal priests. Called to make a change, so Paul or Peter is addressing some realities in their world. And as 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 a royal priest, this is what he's saying: as a royal priest, you need to submit to those authorities. But 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 they're wrong. Or but but that. As a royal priest, you need to submit to the authorities. Let's just read the word of God and let the God let, let the Lord speak. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king or head of state or the officials he appointed for the king who has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right is it uh, it is god's will that you live or that your honorable lives should silence the ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you for you are free yet you are god's slaves so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil respect or honor everyone love the family of believers fear god and respect in this context what he's saying respect the president for you are or uh, for you who are slaves must submit yourselves to your masters with all respect and this word can speak to those who are in forced servitude and those who are in voluntary servitude so it works to anyone who's an employee or those who are in the atrocity of slavery and and it wasn't something they chose. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that in just a second. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are being beaten for wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for, uh, for you, for he is our example. And you must follow in his steps. Here's what I want to say before I keep reading. Christ is the example, but he's called us to be a example. And the whole thing I want to talk to you today about is be an example. Be an example. Your opinion will not change anybody, but your example in Christ will. Looking at the example of Christ, here's what he says. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. Incredible stuff. Who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that, we may, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. It's a present tense healing. Technically, 2,000 years ago, you were healed on the cross. Once you were like sheep who wandered astray, but now you have turned to your shepherd. Man, I love that. Your shepherd is your source the guardian of your souls. Now he's moving from the realm of uh, employers and, and people like that. Now, employ, you know, people who employ you and stuff, and, to, and from those in government and authorities. Now he's moving down to this next thing about wives. So watch this. In the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way of Christ. In the same way, I've just, see, he's continuing this thing. He's continuing this whole dialogue. He's continuing this discussion. And here's what he's saying to us. Here's what he's saying to a group of people that are living in a, in a more corrupt world than we live in today. In a much more corrupt world, in a much more unjust world than we live in to today. He was telling them, you are chosen. You are royal priest. You need to honor all people, respect all people. And if they would have just obeyed that, there would have been no slavery. But he says, you are, I am the example. You are an example. And he goes down the whole hierarchy of somebody's life to the authorities and to the leaders and to all of it. And what he's saying is not what are your rights, he's saying here are your responsibilities. It's incredible. And I know this is hard, and y'all, I know this is hard, but this is like joyful to me because it means I don't have to fight certain battles. I can walk with the Lord and honor the Lord, and I don't have to to get caught up. I don't know about you, but I I was so tired this past year of being sucked into certain things that I don't think the Lord even wanted me into to begin with. Getting pulled into some stuff that just flat wore me out and changed my perspective from an heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective, where where I would walk in the love of God and the joy of the Lord to pulling me under and carrying the weight of all this stuff. And then putting me at the center, feeling like, wait a minute, this ain't fair. This is not right. Putting me at the center, I'm being mistreated. Or then looking at other people who are saying they're being mistreated and thinking, no, 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 you're not being mistreated. That's I'm being mistreated. And everyone's talking about their painful story is worse. Instead of the kingdom reality of, we all need Jesus. And from the perspective of Christ, we do need to take responsibility to correct some things that are wrong. But if we do that from a self-centered perspective, we, we we don't see clear enough to see even what to do as we are establishing our kingdom instead of his. And then we're looking for people to agree with us. And if they agree with us, awesome. If not, the cancel culture comes right up into the church. And we'll disagree with you in a heartbeat. The difference in the church, though, I don't know where this is coming from. I wasn't planning on saying any of this. I should probably just get back to reading the Bible. But here's what happens. The difference with Christians is somebody said this to me one time, and, and it was so true. The difference with, with Christians is, if, see, if somebody in the world, if I disagree with somebody in the world, they just disagree with me. But if you disagree with a believer one believer disagrees with, here's how you know the cancel culture shows up in the church. When one believer disagrees with another believer and you don't just question what they're saying, you question their salvation. Because you've elevated your opinion to that place. Instead of saying, he's Lord. So this issue that we're talking about, instead of what I think, or what you think, let's just go to what God thinks. Let's just go open the word and see what God says. Now, for here, if you disagree with this, if you disagree with this, and I can't help you, you're going to stumble over Jesus. But I can love you as you disagree with him. I can love, because guess what? I'm a, I'm a royal priest. And I can, I can, I need to know how to set out the word of God. Say, oh, that's a really good issue. What about this? And what about this? And what? Hmm. Well, we're hearing what they say. Let's go to the word of God and let's see what God says about this. See, that's a biblical worldview. Let's see what God says about this. And as we go to see what God says about this, I don't agree with that. I don't. I don't. Okay. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay right here. Because in my life, anytime I've gotten off of here. I've gotten in trouble. So I'm going to say here, but I can love you as you disagree with him. And and maybe you can show me things from, because sometimes we have a traditional perspective of the word of God that needs to be changed. Through denominations or through different things that we think we know, things we think we know are keeping us from what we need to know. And God can even use an unbeliever to bring fresh insight to the truth of the word of God but it must be tested by the word of God. Because there's things all of us have been taught of the word of God that people meant well, but they weren't 100% accurate. So we need to come freshly to the word of God. As we're looking at everybody in society and then coming down to the wives, here's what he's saying to the wives who are being unjust and not being treated in verse um, uh, 26. I think it is. He says, uh, or, Chapter 3, not verse 26, chapter 3. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey, meaning some of your husbands refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Do not be concerned about the outward beauty or fancy hairstyles or expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. That does not mean that does not mean you just you, you don't have a voice and you don't have a right, and you're not we'll see in a second, you're, you are an equal partner. It doesn't mean you don't have a right to, to stand up and say, "Hey, I see things a little bit differently, but it means you are submitting to the authority of God by honoring your husband and respecting your husband. It's not a thing of men are better than women or something. No, it's, it's, it's not women need to submit to men. It's wives are submitting to husbands as an equal partner in the marriage. One's not better than the other, but God has delegated authority to one. Husbands, if you have a wife who you feel like is really controlling, just maybe... Maybe a part of what keeps contributing to her controlling tendencies is is, she has responsibility in that, no question. But maybe what's part of it is you need to ask yourself, am I leading well? Am I leading well? Because any one of us surround or put with an incompetent, insecure leader who doesn't know how to lead like Christ knows how to lead. Not ruling over people, but real leadership lifts people up, does not put them down. So husbands, instead of being like, dang, what's your problem, girl? Why you got to act like that? Why you got to be it? Maybe you need to look in the mirror and say, maybe my leadership is not as healthy as it needs to be. Maybe I need to get out of the insecurities. Maybe I need to get out, and maybe, maybe that means I need to listen more. Maybe it need, means you need to speak more. I don't know what it means for you, but, but it, so the, the, the thing about wives being in submission to your husbands is not this thing of, okay, just whatever, you, I'm, just, I'm just a slave. I'll just do whatever. You, that's not what it's talking about. It's, it, it, and we're going to read it in a second. We're going to read it in a second about the, the leadership of the husband, but here's the deal. It's the lordship of Christ. So, so um, Sarah, would you mind coming up here real quick, please? She is an amazing wife. I learned so much about how to be the bride of Christ by watching how she is a bride to me. As a man, I'm the bride of Christ. I learn so much, especially when I'm being a moron and she's still being faithful. I learn so much about how to be a faithful bride of Christ by learning from my bride. Now, we don't have time for Sarah to tell us how much she learns from my life That's a whole nother sermon. But I have have the authority to lead in Christ, my family, to build them up. Guys, I've not always done it well. I've failed tremendously at times like this. But you don't let your past failure dominate your future responsibilities. So it's now. Everybody say now. So now, under his lord, my leadership is under his lordship to her. So my leadership is not based on how she treats me. If I'm a royal priest, my leadership is not... See, once, that's how it was. But now, it's not how it is. My leadership in her life, is not a reaction to how she treats me. Regardless of how she acts, once a year she gets an attitude. That's it. But regardless of how how she treats me, my leadership is under his lordship. I will answer to him, not to her, about how I walk as a king-priest husband. And if I say, oh, it's not fair, she's mistreating me. This is not fair. This is, you know what? Some I could go find another woman because she wouldn't mistreat me until she lived with you. And once you bring that faulty leadership to another place, guess what's going to happen? So her submission in this partnership. See, this is a partnership. This is a partnership. So I have leadership in this partnership under his lordship. She has submission in this partnership to my leadership under his lordship. I will answer for my leadership to his lordship. (laughs) She will answer her submission in this partnership of my leadership to his lordship. She won't answer for me or for me or to me and vice versa. So that analogy, that representation right now is when she disagrees with me, um, how does she handle that disagreement? She doesn't just, I don't say, woman, you submit to me. That's a bad day waiting to happen right there. (laughs) Remember that stumble over the rock? Yeah. That's a bad, that's bad leadership. That's bad leadership. (laughs) Yeah. And what your children need to see, even if they've never seen it before, you can start today, is godly leadership under the lordship of Christ, a leadership that builds others up in the name of Jesus. Because if he's Lord, there is no injustice. If he's Lord, there is no injustice. If I'm obeying him, there is no injustice. And then a a submission. And any wife in here who says, "Whoa, I I ain't submitting to him. what?" What kind of example are you setting? See an example, be an example. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, the leader of all leaders, but he also humbled himself to the point of death. And is our example of submission, even in times of suffering. You can go sit down. Thank you. Because here's what happens we think our suffering excuses us from submission. So before I get out of your way, well, we just stop there. We don't need to talk about the husbands, do we? Ladies, you want us to talk about the husbands? Okay. <laughs> Skip down to verse. Okay, verse seven. In the same way. Notice that that in the same way. So now he's talking about husbands. We started about city leaders and rulers and presidents and all the way down to employers, and, and now we're talking about uh Wives, and now we're talking about husbands. He's he's going through this whole thing, unpacking what it looks like to be a king priest. In the same way, husbands, give honor to your wives. And notice that's first. Give honor. So anything you give to her has got to be out of honor. Treat your wife with understanding. Boy, you need the Holy Spirit for that. Don't be scared, and don't you leave your pastor hanging, men, husbands. <laughs> Tell me you don't need the Holy Spirit to understand these women. Yeah, you do. You're just scared right now. That's all it is. You, you're scared. Scared. Treat your right wife with understanding. As you live together, she may be weaker than you are. Talking maybe physically, but <laughs> you know she's smarter. Uh, anyways, but she is your equal Partner. In God's gift of new life, which what that means is, what that means, I had a once, Sarah had a once. But now in Christ, I have a new, Sarah has a new, and we have a new in Christ. And we are partners of the new. But if we let the old interrupt the new, then we sabotage the new because we keep submitting to the old. And so he goes on as an as equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should with it so that your prayers may not be hindered. And then finally, all Christians, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, now this is quoting back to Psalms 34, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for Peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to the prayers. But the Lord turns his face from those who do evil. And then, verse 13 now, who will want to harm you if you are eager or passionate to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about about hope as a believer, always be ready to explain your opinion. No, 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 no. To explain your example is what he's talking about. But do this in a gentle and respectful way, just like all y'all do on Facebook keep your conscience clear, then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. So what he's saying, and I'll just stop right there. What he's he's saying is it's obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't try to come up with a good thing to go do. Don't try to go fix something for God. Live a lifestyle in submission to the Lord and do what he says. Bless your enemies. Love those who who persecute you and spitefully use you. Because here's the deal. Even though you might be facing an injustice in this world, you you are now a king priest and so how should a king priest live in this world? Should honor all people? Should love all people? Should live under the lordship of Christ? So even though there were people with, who, who deceitfully and manipula, manipulatively used some of these scriptures in the past to help, keep, to help, um, to help promote slavery, can't believe people would take scriptures like this to promote slavery, but they did. They did. But here's the flip side of that coin. Here's the flip side of that coin. Nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with anything. So the people in eternity, the people who in the earth deceitfully use the word of God, they will stand before God and give an eternal account for a temporary wrong. And the people who suffered temporary wrongs will enter into the eternal blessing of the Lord. And we can look at their earthly life and say, that's not fair. That's unjust. And it is right. It is not fair. And it is unjust. And there's things that we need God to help empower us to make things right that are wrong. But don't confuse Don't confuse the the then and the now. Don't confuse the here and the there. You may suffer for doing wrong, but if while you're being done wrong, you're obeying God and you're loving and you're doing what the scripture says and you are operating as a kingdom ambassador, a royal priest, doing what Jesus did when he was being nailed to a cross. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's not what I would have said on the cross. I'd have came out like Iron Man. <laughs> I'd have whooped everybody. Be like, now what? But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And the people who suffer, the people who the Bible says were actually sawn into, fed to lions, those people in great suffering under horrible uh, tyranny and, and ungodly leadership, they honor the Lord, honor the name of God, and their reward is great in heaven. Their reward is great in heaven. Be an example. Be an example. See, you're the context in which you see the context in which you perceive your current circumstances will determine what you do about them. Nothing and no one will affect you beyond, beyond or outside of the value that you, or the, the meaning that you prescribe to it. So you're going through a very difficult time, You're going through a hellish time on earth. Instead of putting yourself at the center, oh, I'm a victim. Oh, I'm a victim that totally disempowers you. What you can do is say, I am a royal priest. And I'm in the middle of a difficult situation. But God, you are above all. You are my shield. You are my reward. You are the lifter of my head and you are with me. You're an ever-present help in times of trouble, and if I'm going to go out like this, I'm going out praising the Lord. I'm going out loving people who don't know Him. If this is going to be my last day, if this is going to be the thing that takes me out, I'm going out with glory. I'm going out with grace. I'm going out trusting the Lord because I realize there is more to this life than this life. I'm not putting my trust in the government of men. I'm not putting my trust in money or in things. I'm not putting my trust in people. I'm putting my trust in the Lord thy God. And he's made me a royal priest. And now, now, even on the terrible day, even on the saddest day, it is well with my soul because I know him. If I didn't know him, I'd lose my mind because I think my life is about this or my life is about you. But since I know him, my life is about him. Y'all do what you want. Can't threaten me with heaven. I'm going to tell one more story and get out of your way. Worship Dean, go ahead and come on up. I know I'm preaching long, but at least I'm consistent in that. I was with Donald Sims and uh, Dale Yurton and a number of other leaders this week uh, at a retreat, praying and seeking the Lord together and Donald was telling, I think he told the story here one time. I want to say it again. He was telling me about some of the work that Rick Clendenin started a number of years ago uh, doing these CTCs, which is Community Transformation Centers, going into areas of the world where there is no religious or spirit or really no religious um, component. There's no mosque. There's no churches. There's no kind of religious thing whatsoever. Usually there's high witchcraft there. And going into these areas to plant churches, but doing it stealth. And so they, they take people and they evangelize and the people get saved and they train them how to be pastors by helping them start businesses in that area to be stealth and go preach the word, you know, under the radar and to establish a church in these volatile areas where Christ has never been preached before. They don't even know the name of Christ, never heard the name of Jesus. And so there's a lady named Esther who was saved and she wanted to plant a church. And so they said okay and they 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 would train she'd come out from her, the areas in which she lived and she'd come to training and they'd train her up and then send her back and then you come back, it's a like a two or three year process of doing this. And so she came to the part where there's like activation, you have to go do something it's not just head knowledge, you have to go Practice what you're learning. And she goes back to these, she goes back to evangelize this village and and they have this accountability thing where they have to write in their journal what they do on the on every day to keep track of it and be accountable. And then those those journals get brought back, and Donald, who's over the program, ends up reading the journals. So he was telling us about reading Esther's journal and what her day was like and what her time was like. She said, Today I go into the village uh, to preach Jesus. Uh, there was uh, six Muslim men who came at me with machetes and threatened me to, to, to not preach Christ there and leave the village. And so she left. She said, the next day, I go back to the same village. And some other stuff happened where they threatened her again. The next day, I go back to the same village. These same men beat me almost to the point of death. And Donald said he just wept when he read the next entry. And the next day, I went back to the same village. And seven souls came to know Jesus and were baptized. We are such powder puffs. Somebody makes a post about me on Facebook. I'm thinking about quitting the church. My prayer is that we would understand who we are in him by understanding who he is. And his authority is eternal. He's not voted in. He can't be voted out. And that if we give our life, testifying to the name of Jesus, and they take our life, not just a dislike on Facebook or a comment that we don't like, they take our life for honoring and representing Jesus and loving people. Your reward will be great. You who are suffering You need wisdom to know how to deal with things because God does provide ways out of of terrible situations, but it needs to be the Lord, not your flesh. But if you're here and you're just like, I can't keep going, I can't keep doing this. What I pray is that a spirit of just just strength from God will come over you who are weary in the middle of well-doing. If you're doing dumb stuff and you're being persecuted, stop doing the dumb stuff. But if you're honoring God and you just don't know how much more you can carry, you just don't know how much more you can go, I want to tell you, you can go a little further in Jesus. And he'll strengthen you. And I just want to pray the strength of the Holy Spirit upon you. And then altar team, I want you all to go ahead and come on up front. And as we worship the Lord, if, you, if you're here and you, you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. And if you need to give your life to the Lord, surrender your life to the Lord, you can come tell them, I I want to surrender my life to God. I want to stop running and doing my own thing. If you need to come to the altar and just kneel and have some Jesus time. If you need to lay down on the floor and have some Jesus time. If, If you feel like you, God lays, as we're worshiping God as a church family, if you feel like God put somebody on your heart, go pray for them. Go minister to them. Go tell them, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. Feel free to go minister. You have a green light to go do that. Let's put our focus on the Lord because I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit just begins to move through and bring strength to his people. Strength to his people for you to be an example. Father, in Jesus' name, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. We glorify you. We honor you. We magnify you, God. You are Lord of all, God. You are high and lifted up, God. There is no one like our God. And your people come to bless you today. We come to worship you today. We come to magnify you, Lord. We come to say that you are good and your mercy endures forever. We come to say thank you, Jesus. And we come to submit ourselves to you. Because you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. You've made us new. You've made us new. We're new creations with new assignments. And we put our hope in you, Lord. So we submit ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, pour out the oil of the Lord upon your people. Break whoever needs to be broken. Build whoever needs to be built. And may your grace cover us all. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.